Welcome back. It is breaking the box yet again. I don't I feel like we always say yet again as if like No, you say that. No, you I think you've said that a few times. We say like yet again. I'm I don't know where that comes from because it's not like we're like like I feel that's I don't it just feels kind of like almost menacing, you know? Cuz that's I feel like that's what bad guys say like in cartoons where they're like I'm back yet again and it's like mm. no. I have That's apparently not seen enough bad guy cartoons, so. Well, I just, that's not that I've actually seen that or heard that. It just feels like that's something, like one of them would say. Well, our my plan, I and know. I kind of forgot to tell you this in the beginning, but I, I guess I should have. But our, my plan was that this episode would be season two finale. Because we plan on possibly taking a break for Christmas and yeah, then coming usually... back in january with season three of breaking yeah, the yeah. box that's what we did last year is we took i think we did one episode in the end of november beginning of december and then we just took the whole month off until january and i really would like to um try to do two podcasts a month i know that's not very many some people do a lot more than that mm -hmm. that are real podcasters if we could do them once a week that'd be awesome I feel like 24 episodes per season. If we get any more than that, we're going to have to do two seasons a year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and we could do that. That's fine. Um, we may have more time. I like doing one a year, though, because it's easier to organize. We may because, have more time. Because, like, in the future, obviously, so. not everybody listening sees this side of it. But I'm organizing. I have this Google Doc with all the episodes, the names, the times that they run, like the exact minutes and everything. I have the seasons. I have all, the, all this analytical stuff laid out, so it's easier for me if we do one a year because then I can write in the dates and blah, blah, blah. Do you blah. have the links in that Google Doc, too, so that you can copy a link and send it to somebody? Mm-hmm. Most that's, of them. It's awesome. I haven't finished You're so organized. doing it on all of them. Um, I would really like for this coming year, uh, we're just talking here, kind of you and I in the podcast, people are just going to tune into this portion of the Sneak peek. conversation, <laughs> but I would really like to um, buy some equipment to make this more efficient. Yeah, we do. So um, it'll be easier once we have our own place, wherever that is yeah. going to be, but um, we're going to definitely have an office or a room set aside that we can go into that will make the acoustics well. Mm -hmm. I was going to say we need we'll to get some sort of pad and, or something. And for different things. And then sound. we can maybe start some video and have like a video slash audio podcast on most of our platforms. So anyways, uh, for a season finale, I had a couple of ideas. Definitely want to have some dialogue with you just mm -hmm. like we do off the cuff. But I actually had some thoughts <clears throat> and felt like some of the questions that I came up with could really help. <clears throat> okay so sounds good what i hope this podcast episode can turn into is one that you and i can use to share with people in the future mm. uh, to listen to and get tips okay um i really want today to be a help to some people maybe your age maybe a little older a little younger who have gone through a similar situation as you and you can kind of give them some feedback on one of the things that some of the things that you did, the thought process you have. You can give them some of your thoughts then if you remember them and thoughts now looking back on the situation. Okay. So let's start. Uh, topic is going to be um, whatever you want to call it. Children, kids, teens surviving uh, divorce. Okay. So if many of you that are listening don't know, um, Myra and I, my wife and I, we're married in 2004, 
And then uh, in 2011, we had uh, a time away from each other. We separated uh, by the end of that year. That was in May. By the end of 2011, our divorce was filed um, in December and finalized the last day of the year in December of 2011. Um, we were apart for nearly six years. And uh, no, we were, we were technically divorced for almost six years. But at about, <clears throat> uh, I would say close to the five year mark, um, by that point, God had already done some miraculous things in both of us. Uh, more on my side, I think, than hers, because she was she's pretty awesome, and uh, I needed a lot more of God working on me. And then after about five years, uh, slowly started working our way back into one another's lives in a good way, communicating more than just about you know visitations and things. And then it turned into us uh, dating again, and then that eventually turned into us to us getting remarried in December of 2017. That, when you said uh, the divorce was final in December, I thought for like that split second, I was like, that's so weird. Because that's when you guys got remarried and it's like... Yeah, we got remarried in December of 2017. I just think that's So cool. almost exactly six years after our divorce was final, we got remarried. That's cool. So we were, our divorce was final on the 31st of December 2011. We were remarried on the 23rd of December, 2017, six years later. So, If it had been the 13th, that would have been... <clears throat> you know, now, I will say, some of the things that Melanie and Julian did experience were not the typical uh, divorced parent thing that you would maybe see in, in well, society. Yeah, because it wasn't like one person left and like they weren't connected at all anymore just like yeah we saw them once every year or whatever so even though there is definitely trauma still involved mm -hmm. that happened through the separation um there was definitely issues that have arisen from that things that us as a family unit have had to work through mm -hmm. um but the fact that both myra and i were very very present in their lives um and communicated for the most part pretty well um, in every area concerning the kids when it came to like health issues, you know, taking care of their needs. If they needed extra things, uh, we would work together to take care of those things. Um, and so uh, that because of that, even though I may have, I look back and go, man, I was not a good dad at all in those years. Probably not a great dad before those years, honestly, but um, I was present, which is huge. And I tried to be there and do some things with my kids as often as possible. Um, we worked together to, to be able to share the kids on holidays or, or mm -hmm. alternate holidays, different things like that. So uh, although there is some aspects of the, tra of the trauma of separation or uh, growing up in a single parent family or whatever that, that these kids didn't experience, there's still some things I think you, we can take away from it. Yeah. So I that's do, what our questions are going to be based on. I do that time. feel like neither side was alienated by the other person. Like nobody was or like cut down or anything like that. Um, so there was a lot of things we did right. Yeah. There was several things done wrong. I never felt that, you know, dad was bad for this or mom was bad for this. In my brain, it was just like, it, which I know this is not the right thing at all. But in my brain, it was like, well, this, this didn't work out. Like, it was, no, like, it was a big deal, but, like, you know what I'm saying? 
Like that's how my brain. And I and I want to I want to be clear about a couple of things. Not that that's right at all, because that's not how it should be. But right, I, I'm gonna let you have some dialogue time. I'm gonna ask you questions and prompt you, so you're gonna be talking a lot. But <laughs> I just want to preface some of the things we go into here. I do want to say there's a lot of things that Myra and I did right. There was several things we did wrong, but most of what we did wrong was in terms of how our relationship was with one another. And people have asked me, Myra has asked me, several people have asked me, um, what caused you uh, to, to leave and to, um, you know, not, not go to church for a period of time and to walk away from the marriage and that kind of stuff that eventually led to a divorce. Um, <clears throat> what was it that, that changed in you? Because there was obviously a time when everything was good and right. Yeah. And so there's three things, three things. One is the one and most important thing is my relationship with God began to fail. It started with uh, less and to little, little to no prayer, basically mm. life where I was not praying at all. Um, uh, the prayer that I did have was during prayer at church, whether it was pre-service prayer or on a prayer night. But there was no personal devotional type prayer. Mm. Um, that's the number one issue. It it affected my relationship with God in terms there was no in turn there was no relationship there. Uh, the second thing was, <clears throat> uh, I uh, truly did not um, understand how to love someone properly. Now this is not an excuse. I'm telling you some of the things that led to me leaving. And so for all intents and purposes, even though this sounds terrible to say, I truly did not love Myra as a man should love a wife um, in those seven years we were together. The first um, time. Not, I didn't, it, not just I didn't show it. I didn't do it, period, because I didn't I, know how. I was going to say, I don't think you really know I, I really, how, really there was didn't. no example of and that. And you might say, how would a man between the ages of 20 and 26, 19 and 26, not know how to love his wife that he's been with for seven years? But there's a lot to that. I don't want to get into that. That's not the point of our, of our thing. Discussion. But that is definitely the reason. I just did not love her the right way. It's not to say I didn't have feelings for her or I didn't love her at any point, but I didn't love her with a man woman relationship type love and then the third thing is <clears throat> that at the time I didn't know this but there was a lot of uh, past trauma in my own life mm -hmm. that caused me to have certain feelings that were not right things like you know I grew up way too soon in my life had no childhood um, that was that was what a normal kid should have and so uh the trauma from that was that in my subconscious, I think that my my subconscious thought I never got a chance to to be a kid and to be a rebellious teenager and to live it up. And there was this stupid, stupid desire in me to do that and and to just go do what I wanted to do that I thought was fun. Right. That's funny. And I know I couldn't do that being married. Mm -hmm. So don't encourage it. I don't think it's the right thing to do. It definitely wasn't right for me, but that was part of it. So those are the three factors that caused me to leave the situation. But the most important and the one I want to hone in on here, because I think we'll come full circle, is that I did not continue to maintain my relationship with God. If mm -hmm. I would have maintained my relationship with God, I do believe God could have showed me how to love my wife right. 
And I do believe God could have helped me deal with my traumas and my personal issues from my past in a way that I wouldn't need to have left. Mm -hmm. So no way am I using those as excuses. Oh, I had trauma, so I had I didn't have a choice or any of that. And that's not at all. I could have done better. And I think the place that I truly failed was in my relationship with God. So let's get into the questions. Why don't you walk me through um, the earliest memory you have? What was the earliest memory you have after you realized that there, this was real? Like, what was the thought process? What did you think? Um, and then what did you think might happen? And what were your fears? That kind of stuff. So you got to find a place in your mind. I know it might take a second. Mm -hmm. Find a place in your mind where you remember realizing my dad's not going to come home and this is how the new normal. And it kind of dawned on you that this is this was real. Give me your thought process and tell me some of the things that maybe were like fears and, and worries. What do I, sorry, I just need you to clarify a little bit more. Like, so you were five what, years old. Yeah. What necessarily do you mean by when you thought this was real? Because <clears throat> I thought this was real from the second and I was told. Okay. Well, I don't know that story. So tell me about okay. how did it. How did the tell you part happen? What what was the discussion? How quickly? So the, the way this all went down was it happened at night in the evening. Mm -hmm. And I packed a, a night bag thinking I might just leave for a night after a big fight. And um, when I left, I never came back, essentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, I came back in terms of visiting you guys and coming back yeah. to the house. But I never came back and stayed home. So how long after that night... Did you have a discussion with either your mom or whatever? And what were those feelings when you were told? The, I think the first thing I remember after that was, because uh, I don't, like, my brain is all over the place because I, I don't even know. Um, so there's things that I don't really remember. Like, I don't remember that specific event happening. And there's... Like, bits and pieces of other things I don't remember, but that's besides the point. Anyways, um, I think the first time I had any notion of any of this going on, uh, I don't remember who necessarily it was. My brain is telling me it was either you or mom, but I'm not even sure who it was. Um... But I remember, for some reason, being at the church, but I don't think this happened at the church. It was probably at home. Uh, but my brain is at the church that we were going to at the time uh, in the nursery. I, again, I don't remember who it was because trauma just gets foggy with sure. memories and whatnot. Uh, yeah, so I was in the nursery at the church and somebody was explaining it to me, the situation that was happening, uh, by explaining it to me because there was an Adventures in Odyssey that kind of had the same, uh, situation yeah. going on. Yeah, so they were explaining it to me, like, basically, you know what happened with this person? Yeah, that's kind of, like, the same thing. Obviously, it was more eloquent and, like, you mm -hmm. know, to a kid, but that was basically. And that's when I was like, oh, like, wait, 
that's not that's not what I thought was happening. Like I didn't even know anything was going on. It seemed fine, and then it was like all of a sudden, here it is. Like it's right here. It's happening. It was. I don't even know what I was feeling at the time. You know, because I was five, so that was a lot of yeah. To you may not have been to able me. to process it. Like or... I, I understood the fact that they were saying my dad wasn't going to be at home with me anymore, and I think I cried then. But just because my dad wasn't going to be at home, I didn't really understand the reason. Yeah. So tell me about like the first time you get, and this could have been years later, mm-hmm. um, when you remember like emotionally going through something that you felt like this is going to be hard for me to get through. So I hope I don't <laughs> cry myself. But I know I, uh, I don't expect like I you gonna... to not cry. So yeah. feel free to do whatever you feel like you need to. And I'm sorry that we're bringing this up, but I really think you can help people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Tell me about the first time you remember having an emotional issue because you wished dad was home. What were that? What was that like? What was those feelings? How did you process that? How did you get over it? Did you, you know, some kids will say things like, well, you know, I thought, man, I wish my dad was here for this situation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it got you emotional. And then how you got through that. Um, and um, maybe even like to the point of, um, you know, I cried myself to sleep that night mm-hmm. because I was thinking about you or whatever it was. It might be. Um, I don't know if I ever specifically like had a time where it was like, emotional distress because of the situation I think it always was like a thing in the back of my mind and there was points where I would cry and like be praying and like hoping that somehow it would work out and you guys would get it back together I don't know if I had a like specific emotional time where I wished you were there it just kind of always was in the back of my Mm -hmm. mind do you remember ever processing these thoughts about this situation um do you ever remember thinking, uh, you know, when things were going well spiritually for me and for your mom and we were growing and stuff, did you get your hopes up? Did you think, man, maybe this could happen or that could happen? Or do you remember ever thinking through the process of, well, if my parents stay divorced the rest of my life, what would life be like in the future? Any of that kind of stuff. Anytime you had processed thoughts about your circumstance, give me that if you, if you can remember any of that. <clears throat> do you remember talking with anybody and processing thoughts or sitting on your bed and just thinking hmm, you know this would be well, cool or I remember that? one time in I think it was first or second grade not really sure uh, I don't know if it was really processing necessarily but I do know it was um I had realized at that point that this was how my life was and how I assumed it was going to be um and there was a kid in my class uh that her parents were getting divorced and so she was saying something about it don't really remember what specifically but me and this other kid who his parents were divorced who we were talking to her and telling her well it's gonna be okay like this has happened to us like you'll get through it 
basically. We were trying to help her in our class. So now, that's the first time I remember ever being like. Talking about it. Yeah, talking about it with somebody who wasn't family or somebody who didn't know. Yeah. Now you have a unique situation in that your aunt, my sister, is around mm -hmm. your age. You guys are in the same grade. Uh, you kind of grew up together like sisters yeah. in a lot of ways. And even more unique, the year after mom and I got divorced, with like just a few months later, actually, mm -hmm. uh, mom, my mom and dad, wait, sorry, just, just a, sorry, I think I said that wrong. When your mom and dad, <laughs> me and your mom got divorced, just a few months later, my mom and dad got divorced. Now, they had been apart for a long time. They'd been separated for a long time. They had not had a relationship for a long time. Years, to be in fact. Um, to be factual. Um, but they, they had finally decided to make it legal and, and do the paperwork. So, Adriana, uh, my sister, had gone through a very similar thing. Mm -hmm. Um in terms of her parents being apart mm -hmm. and going through the separation and all that kind of stuff. Was there ever a time that you guys found that solace in one another? Do you ever remember talking to her about it? Um, did you guys ever pray together about it, cry about it? What kind of things did you guys do to help strengthen one another? And was that, was knowing that you had somebody close to you that gone through the same thing, did that help you at all? I think a little bit because we both knew that we had gone through the same thing. I remember talking about it one time because we never really brought it up because it was a kind of a touchy situation for both of us. So we never had like in-depth conversations about this. And mind you, when you guys got back together, I was like 12. So, you know, this is all happening from 5 to 12. Right. So you're young. Yeah, we're not having like hour-long <clears throat> conversations or anything. Um, but... I do remember this one time talking about it and she was upset because she didn't feel like I understood her specific situation because they her dad hadn't been in her house since she was way younger than I was. And so she felt like I didn't understand her situation and I was telling her that I felt like I did because it was very similar and we were going back and forth. But I do think through that, we realized that our situations were different, but yet similar. And so it was easier for us afterwards to connect on that and to realize that we had somebody who at least understood our struggle, even if they didn't go through the exact same thing, they knew and they could sympathize with us. Well, that's, that's a good point. Um, now, I know that uh, not everybody experiences this in this unique way. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that I, in terms of the stories I know, um, I know a lot of people in the church and out of the church <clears throat> that have been separated, broken homes, divorced, whatever, for a plethora of different reasons. I do not know um, very many. I know I know at least one, I think. But I can't think of who they are right off the top of my head. Cannot think of very many situations where the where the couple work things out with God and with one another and eventually ended up back together. So you are in a very unique situation that some kids might call you extra fortunate. Mm -hmm. So I know that you're not the uh, guru of information when it comes to 
um, being a kid that or experienced two. a broken home and how yeah. to get through it. But you are pretty emotionally stable. For the from, most part. <laughs> and, and I know that there is definitely some things in the trauma of the separation and mm -hmm. divorce that, like you said, the trauma kind of gave you foggy memory about mm -hmm. some of the situation. Uh, that coupled with the fact that you were really young. I mean, yeah. five years old is still old enough to know kind of what sort of what's going on, I guess. But it's also young enough to not know a lot of details mm -hmm. and understand them. So now fast forward, here you are, you're 15, almost 16, one month yep. away from 16 years old. Um, your mom and dad have been reunited for almost four years. Um, you That's went so through weird. about a six year period of them being divorced, but really only five years of them being away from one another because that last year we spent getting to, mm -hmm. to be around each other a lot. Um, <laughs> what, what would you say to somebody if if some if a pastor called and said, "Hey, Melanie, I have a young girl who's really struggling right now, uh, you know, whatever age, 10, 12 years old, she's really struggling. Her parents just got a divorce. Would you be able to just connect with her and talk with her? I'm gonna have her call you. And you call, you got a call. Now you're not prepared for this. You don't have notes. You haven't mm -hmm. written a book on the subject. <laughs> you know, what would you say to this kid when she's just like, I just don't understand. I don't know why this is happening to me, blah, blah, blah. G give me your spiel, kind of. What would you advise kids? Now, remember, they may not all listen to this this week, mm -hmm. but we may send this episode out to people in the future to use the information um, to, to help somebody. So what kind of thing would you say to somebody that's struggling, especially if it was somebody that you're close to, a friend or someone you know, what kind of encouragement would you give them? What would you say for them to do? What kind of things would you tell them to to keep in mind and all that kind of stuff. Give somebody advice right now. You are sitting at a table and you have to give some, you are the thing that's going to help them make it through this because you're going to give them some encouraging words. What is those? What are those words? That's a lot of pressure. You I'm... are the one. That's... <laughs> they will die without you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of okay. what you were saying. Sorry, that might have been a little too much. It's uh, dramatic. Too dramatic. Yeah. It's a, okay. You are the one that will keep them you're together. In the Let's put you in the moment is what okay. I was trying to say. Okay. Uh, obviously, they may, they'll have other people. They'll yeah. have their pastor. They'll have God. They'll have things. Yes. But you're in the moment right now. They need somebody to talk to right now. And okay. you're that person. Put yourself in that moment. What would you say to these kids? What kind of things would you encourage them? Now, not all of this is stuff you learned during the divorce, but you're looking back going, mm -hmm. you know, these are things that helped me yeah. now that I know looking back. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, first, I don't know if I would start straight off with advice. I'd probably let them talk about whatever, anything they wanted to tell me because I just, I feel like that helps people. If they want to tell you something, just tell me whatever. If you had a bad day, let me know. Like, it's get it all out so we can start from scratch. Because if you have something that you really want to say and then we have a whole conversation then you never get to say it, then... You haven't been paying attention because you're thinking about whatever's in your brain at that moment. Uh, and then after that, um, probably say to keep, your number one thing is to keep a relationship with God steady and like mostly stable as much as you can, you know, because nobody's perfect. Because um, that's one thing that really helped me, honestly. 
and not only praying and reading the Bible, but also talking with godly influences and listening to preaching and, you know. Staying connected yes, with God, in, in other words. Multiple in whatever ways. area. Um, and trying my best to think about my situation in a way that if this is my life now forever, how can I make the most of it? In that sort of way point of view whatever you want to call it um because I honestly think that's what I tried to do that helped me a lot is that okay this is where I am right now what can I do to be the best person I can be at at this exact moment with everything going on how can I draw out a plan write something whatever you gotta do to feel like these are the goals I want to meet, or these are the things I want to achieve, or this is who I would like to be, or whatever, and try your best to get to that goal. Even if it's a small one. Mm-hmm. Just set achievable goals. Give us an example. Um, well, for a long time, this isn't one anymore, but I wanted to be a veterinarian, so I was researching things for school and this and that and the other and trying to keep my grades up so I could get into a good school. And that was giving me something to work towards. Not necessarily as a distraction, but I wasn't focusing on the fact that my life was not I'm, perfect. Yeah. I was just trying to be the best person I could be and I was trying to pray and set goals of how long I wanted to pray. I was trying to read my Bible as much as I could. I was trying to do things to just keep moving forward. Okay. Let let me ask you another question. This is more of a hypothetical question, but the information you might give as feedback could be valuable. Like hypothetically, imagine that for some reason, you know, your, your parents never did get back together. Now you're almost 16. Um, What things, if your parents weren't together right now, what things would you do, um, not as the distraction focus thing you just talked about, Mm -hmm. but what things would you do that you might advise other kids to do um, to keep yourself, your brother, your mom, your dad, uh, keep that relationship somehow as healthy as it could be Within your control. Obviously, it's not your responsibility to do that, but you have a part in it. What would you do? Um, That's an interesting question, actually. Uh, Let me give you an example. I was going to say, by maintain, like, what do you mean? Let me give you an example. And the reason I'm going to give you an example is because obviously I've been through this. My parents... Mm -hmm. When I tell you my parents were divorced after I was, it doesn't mean much because my parents were separated many times for sometimes years in my childhood. So I've got a little bit of the experience of the trauma of the separation. Uh, and it was a little more harsh in my experience because my dad was often gone and was not always doing good things when he was gone. So anyway, um, I've thought about this a lot in my experience. If I was in that place, which I am actually, but I'm an adult now. <laughs> um, and what I would do if I was uh, a kid, a teenager, 
whose parents were, you know, separated and I wanted to try to do my part, which I did not do, by the way. I did not do my part. And I don't think that I contributed any any benefit to my family in any way in that area, mm. which I wish I would have. But looking back, what I think I should have done or could have done or I wish I could go back and do, and I would advise other people to do, is to really... Um, put my effort into maintaining the relationships. So for instance, um, you know, there was a time when I was really mad at my dad um, as a teenager and I never went out of my way to do my part to maintain my relationship with him. Hmm. Now, as a kid, that's not your responsibility. So yeah. I want to be clear. It is a parent's responsibility to make sure that they're a parent to their kids and that hmm. they're always present and that they do what they can. But on the flip side, kids can do certain things. Like in this day and age with technology and phones and all that kind of stuff. You can reach out. You can send your dad a loving text. Um, you can say nice things to them. Mm -hmm. um, you can do things like, hey, I want to go have lunch with you on such and such day. Just to kind of do your part. Now, it's got to be a two-way street. If they're never reciprocating, it's not healthy. Yeah. But I do think that a lot of times... Um, men get this stupid idea in their head. It's very dumb and a lot of men do it. So I think it, it, it's, there's this thing in our brain where we think it's the right thing to do if, and it's so dumb because it's not. And that is that if our kids aren't reaching out to us or responding to our, you know, advances to maintain the relationship, then we feel like it's just better to leave them alone and not bother them which in turn makes the child feel abandoned because mm -hmm. you're not talking to them, you're not texting them, you're not calling them, you're not doing anything. And the parents think, well, if they want to talk with me, they'll call me. Mm -hmm. And they think things like, you know, I've tried a couple of times and it never really went anywhere, so I'm not going to try anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely the wrong way to do it. But at the same time, as a kid, you, there is things that you can do for your part of the relationship because relationships are two, two mm -hmm. ways. So that's an example. That's one thing I would have done uh, or could have done differently or I wish I would have done right. If you don't have anything, it's okay. Because I've never, it's hard for me because I've never been in that space sure. at this age. And, you know, with okay. all the facilities I have now, like my phone or whatnot. So I have one more question, like specifically question. And then we'll just kind of go into dialogue about this subject a little okay. bit. Um, when you were 10, mm -hmm. I've told people this story over and over again. I, uh, it almost makes me cry every time you tell people because it's like, it's not that it's embarrassing, but sometimes you don't always tell me. So it's like, catches me off guard, if that makes sense, because everybody's hearing it, you know? And like, sometimes these are people I've known, but they've never heard this story. So it's like, I'll... Yeah. I understand that. I'm sorry for that. It's so okay. A lot of times I'm... It's when I'm preaching and mm -hmm. I try to use that story as an illustration. It's okay though. But when you were 10, we were driving home from a birthday dinner. And this is one of the memories I'll never forget because it just impacted me so much. <laughs> I just, let me preface this story by saying to people that it blew me <laughs> away then and still does today that my 10-year-old was far more emotionally and mentally mature than I was at 29 30 let me, years old let me preface that to say although i did steal this quote that i told him i did understand it so it wasn't like i was just saying words i didn't know i would 
I was copying it from somebody else, but I did understand the concept and I did actually apply it to myself. Okay, so that being said, that's my question essentially. <laughs> so what happened was we were driving away. I picked her up for her birthday, took her to dinner at a nice restaurant, just me and Melanie, and I was driving her home. And I, I was honestly, I think what I was trying to do was trying to... I was trying to get a little bit of affirmation from you that you really maybe does my daughter want her mom and dad to be back together because I remember as a kid that was something that I wished mm -hmm. all a lot like many many times throughout the years my mom and dad being together and apart every time they were apart I always was like looking forward to the moment like thinking man I hope something happens that they just get back together you know mm -hmm. I hope my dad does something or my mom says something so I kind of was questioning you about that because I was hoping you would say yeah you know I, I really do but my question was if if you God said you could have anything in the world what would you what would you ask for and you asked for you told me what you would ask for which isn't which important. is I feel like it's very similar to what I would ask for today I still like when people are like where do you see yourself in five years or what do you want to do <clears throat> I still kind of give that little spiel. About, Which is about helping yeah. people. Right? Yeah. So helping people that are less fortunate in lots yes. of different ways. Don't need to go into the details because it's not relevant to what I'm trying to get across. Mm -hmm. But after that, I was like, man, I really thought my daughter would have said, I want my mom and dad back together, you know, because mm -hmm. we were apart at the time. And it had been a few years, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I asked you if that was it. Why didn't you ask that? Now, kind of still in the back of my mind thinking you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'd ask for that, too. Yeah. You know, um, but I didn't think of that to answer or something. Mm -hmm. So I was like, why wouldn't you say that you wanted mom and dad back together and tell them what you said? I said, uh, probably not in these exact words because I was 10. I don't remember exactly how I said it, but I basically said I wouldn't want that to happen or I wouldn't want to reverse it necessarily yeah. because he was saying that your mom and dad had never, gotten never gone split up. That's yes. right. That's how I question it. Why wouldn't you ask that God would never have allowed your parents to get divorced or split up? And I said, I would never want it to that happen because it made me into the person who I am and it helped me to grow as a person. And I wouldn't be the same person if that had never happened. And not that I wouldn't still be a good person. I just wouldn't be who I am today or then. That in and of itself blew me away. I couldn't believe that was your answer, especially at 10. I was like, how in the world? So that's what I want to ask you. Where did that come from? How did you think that <laughs> process through? Was that something that you had thought about? Like, if anybody ever asks me this question, this is going to be my answer. Um, or was it something like in the moment you just felt like, you know, here's my answer. And that's, that's what you said. You're going to laugh at what I say. It's okay. I want to, <laughs> I want to know where did you get the answer? And then how did you process that in Ooh. your mind to own it? What is this chair doing? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I had heard this. This <laughs> is going to make me laugh. Okay. Because it's not, it's not like some profound, like, preacher or anything. Uh, <laughs> it's hard for me to even say it. Because it's so dumb. It's uh, not dumb. It could have ministered to you. God could have used that. Well, because to... uh, the first time I heard it was on Father Gilbert. They talked about, it's uh, another audio drama, but. 
uh, they mentioned something about similar to that. It's the one... Yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Um, And then after that, I kind of thought about that, and I was like, yeah, that is really true. The experiences we go through make us who we are as people. So why would people want to go back from things that helped shape who they are as a person? Okay, but even as a 10-year-old, even though you might have heard somebody else say that, and how did that process happen in your brain at 10 years old to own that? Like, that's what I want for me too. Because it's one thing to hear somebody say it. It's a whole other thing to believe it and apply it to your life, right? To hear somebody say, well, the things you've been through shape who you are. If we change that, we change the past, then what would become of who we are mm -hmm. and what God has done in our lives through this point? How did you own that? What, what process in your mind did you go, that makes sense, I want to be like that or whatever? Well, because the second I heard it, it was just like... It made you know, your, it, did it make your mind go back to your situation? Not necessarily. I think the very first time I ever heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. And then, because we always listen to the same things over and over again. You know how it is. Julian's playing the same radio show five trillion times. And that's what we had done. We'd always listen to the same CD over and over and over again. And one of the times it just clicked with me and I was like, hmm. Like, like I had already realized that was a good point, but I was like, that makes sense. Like, who we are is shaped as people. So I was thinking about my whole life, you know, and just thinking, like, that just, when we were sitting in the car before you even, like, had asked me, I'd already thought about this. Uh, and it made me think of that even when you asked when you asked why wouldn't you have taken that away, that thought came to my mind because it, it shaped who I was as a person. So it's not like I had a full-on like session where I was just thinking about this. I just kind of referenced that from before. And just... What things I would you know. say... Now, this is kind of off the cuff. I just thought of this <laughs> question. Those other ones I kind of had formulated in my yeah. mind. But... Um, what things would you say now? Is there anything that you still struggle with as a result of that time? Meaning like, and if one of the things I say is one of the answers, just go ahead and reiterate okay. it. But like, do you ever, are you ever afraid? If you ever hear me and mom arguing, are you, does there, is there fear in your heart that, oh no, this might end badly again or anything <laughs> like that? Um, and just to clarify, when I say fight, I mean, we disagree about stuff. It doesn't really ever escalate like it did in our previous marriage because of the miraculous things God has done through us and for us. But, you know, we disagree and sometimes we allow those disagreements to happen in front of you so that you learn how to have conflict resolution. But is there any side effects, after effects from that time that you still struggle with? Is there ever, I mean, nightmares, is there any, ever anything that happens that you still can say, yeah, this is kind of something I feel like is still something I'm working through because of that? I think now, not so much, but I think when you, you guys first got together, it wasn't the fear of, oh, they might split up again. It was, uh, I think a lot of it was trust issues. Not because you had done anything bad to me, but just 
that thought in my mind, if I can't trust my dad because he left, how can I trust anybody else? There was a stint of time where I had like no friends. And that was just one, because there wasn't a lot of people around me or that I knew that were my age. Two, I had major trust issues that I still hadn't even worked through. Even when we were in that house we used to live in, when we first moved there, there was, I still had problems. And I still do a little bit, but it's not as severe. I've gotten way better. Okay, well, how have you, how have you fixed that? Um, what have you done to work on your trust issues? You may not have physically mm-hmm. done something, but mentally, what have you done? You know, emotionally, what things have you done to... I have prayed and sought God a lot about these things. I've talked through them in my mind and with God, obviously. Um, but also, I've slowly allowed myself to be more and more vulnerable and although that's very sometimes the more I do it it gets more scary for me because there is you know a possibility that somebody could hurt me in emotionally or whatever um but I've been trying to slowly open up myself more and the friends I do have now have been really great with that because they have helped me to become a more outgoing person even when I first met them, a lot of them, I still wasn't, you know, talking to anybody else. And now there's people that I reach out to first. So I've just tried to work through those issues as slowly as I can to better myself, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is the process you go through? Um, you know, you're afraid of something. When you do something, you tell somebody a secret, you, you trust them a little more, you, you know you're giving yourself uh, up, you're being vulnerable. How do you work through that process? Is it mostly in your mind, like talking yourself through it? And what does that sound like? What does the talk sound like in your mind? I know you've maybe never verbalized this, but mm-hmm. you know the talk could be something like, you know, I tell myself or I think through this and say, you know, just because one person hurt me, not everybody's, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So when you're vulnerable, when you dabble into a new area, when you open up yourself and tell a secret you've never told anybody mm-hmm. to a friend, how do you work through that process of like the fear of trusting them with this? It's not, I don't know if I necessarily have like a process that I do every single time. Um, Cause everybody's mind, you know, works differently. So what I say is not going to be what everybody else says. Uh, But most of the time, it's one, it's usually to people who have never hurt me in big ways before. They might have said something that, oh, that kind of hurt my feelings, but it's not, you know, like super big emotional things like that. Um, So that's one way I deal with it is, has this person hurt me before? And is it very likely for them to do it again? And also, another way I look at it is if they were to say this to me and I did something to hurt them, would I want them to forgive me? So I try to look at it from all different angles. And most of the things, although I do tell my friends a lot of things, my parents are some of my best friends, to be honest. I tell them, I talk with them every single day. They're the people I text and call the most. And so that's, there's not a lot of 
big, huge secrets that would hurt me or whatever you want to say, uh, that I tell a lot of people. So let's go there. And I try to tell things that I know people, you know, I trust certain people with certain things. I don't tell one secret to everybody because there's people that I don't know as well. Or there's people I know can't keep secrets as well and things of that nature. So, and there's things that some people don't need to know. It's not as necessarily a secret, but it's not everybody's Private. business. Yeah. It's not everybody's business, whether I did this or did that or, you know, whatever. Okay. Let me, uh, let me dabble into that a little bit. Address the trust elephant in the room. <laughs> um, Obviously, the person that's probably hurt you the most is sitting in the room with you. <laughs> How have you worked through that process? Because as far as I know, now some people, some people look at me and think I'm naive. Mm-hmm. And they think I'm just oblivious. Mm-hmm. That, And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying people we know, okay? I'm talking okay. about outsiders. <laughs> when I say how wonderful my daughter is, yeah. they think you've got me fooled. Right. Yeah. They think, well, she's probably sneaking around doing mm-hmm. stuff and you just think she's a nice kid, you know, mm-hmm. but I know you pretty, pretty well, yeah. pretty well. And I know a lot of your friends and, and a lot uh, of my friends talk to you. Yeah. So I just don't think so. that's the case. I'm, I'm 99.999% sure that that's not the case. Well, if it is the case, it would be a shock to me because so <laughs> that being said, how have you worked through the trust issues with me? Because obviously that's where any of your trust issues came mm-hmm. from. So I would say more than most teenage girls I know, because I've talked to a lot of dads with teenage girls, you and I talk about some pretty deep concepts and share a lot this of information. This being one of them. <laughs> yeah, and share a lot of information. I mean, you talk to me about boy things, mm-hmm. which teenage daughters usually don't. Um, and I t- we keep an open and dialogue about it. that's not to say it. that I don't talk to my mom about any of yes, these things. Yes, no, 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 I, not at I all. I talk to both. I'm just talking about, yeah. in terms of you and me relationship, mm-hmm. what things have you worked through and how did you process those to trust me again, to be able to trust me in ways you hadn't trusted me before? Well, again, a lot of prayer and things of that nature. What do you pray? Let's say that. What do you pray when you're... When you're praying, you say a lot of prayer. What is somebody? What should somebody pray? How should they pray about that? Mm. What do you say in your prayers when you're trying to work through these situations? I, I don't know if I necessarily say it. Sometimes I think just whatever things, you're feeling yeah. on the, in the moment, or and it will be feelings that I have or whatever you know, normal things, and then sometimes I'll be like. Give me the courage to get through this, the confidence to last throughout whatever struggles I'm going through in my life right now. So uh, from my perspective, there's never really... And there's lots of people that have prayed for me. There was, uh, I think it was the very beginning of this year in January, we went to a church anniversary thing. And there was a lot of prayer and things that went on there in those services that really helped me that was one of the main points where i was i feel like i was completely like not completely obviously because i still have a few issues on my own you know but i feel like that was a big step 
for me. In your in, healing? In trusting and caring and being more vulnerable to everybody. And your personal healing. Mm-hmm. So um, from my perspective, it's never I've never felt like you didn't trust me. Now, I know that there's probably been times you were afraid to trust mm-hmm. me. But you've never led on to that to me. Now, I know that it's there because I just yeah. it's normal. But based on our conversations, I've never felt it from you. Mm-hmm. You've always been open with me as much as I can imagine and tell. So, yeah. Um, well, because it wasn't major, like some people where they don't tell anybody anything. It was just like any little small things or really important or things I felt were secret or private or whatever. I just felt like some things I just couldn't tell people or thoughts that I had or whatever. I was to say this, and you might agree with this. So if you do just go ahead and chime in here, but um, as we're closing out this, this episode, I would say this, that if you want to have meaningful relationships, Melanie's just told you, you know, you just said that, you have a really good relationship with your mom and your dad. They're like mm-hmm. your best friends. Um, you do have best friends too. You know, yeah. people that are not related that are your friends. Yeah. Um, you have some really good and really close friends. But mm-hmm. in order to have those good relationships, you have to 100% every time be vulnerable. Yeah. Which means you're allowing yourself to be put in a place of possibility of hurt and pain. And by doing that, by giving that possibility up, you also open yourself up to more deep, meaningful relationships. Yeah. Right? Yes. And so uh, that's what I would say. The next thing is when you're having trust issues, remember this. Remember that the only way, because a lot of people will say, you know, I don't have any friends and I've closed off and I'm too traumatized. And some people say. I don't want to be hurt again. And some people say I don't need friends. Yeah, I don't need friends because I don't want to be hurt is really what they're saying. And I don't need friends because I'm fine, you know. But Mm -hmm. truly, everybody needs at least someone, Mm -hmm. um, somebody that they're close to. And if they don't have anybody and they think, well, I'm fine by myself. Truthfully, you're not thriving. Most people that don't have any friends are hermits and don't have much of a life, you know. Um, now that's not to say that there's not somebody out there in the world that has a wonderful fun life that doesn't have any friends. I just don't know any of them. Yeah. Um, but the most meaningful relationships that people have are the ones where they've allowed themselves to be vulnerable, which means there is a possibility you'll be hurt, Mm -hmm. but the reward is far greater than the risk. Mm -hmm. And I think that also that goal goes both ways. One person can't just be vulnerable and the other person be closed off. And I try to, now, I try to trust people as much as I can. I also try to not let uh, things offend me, you know, too much. Because I look at it from the perspective that I prioritize other people's mental health and emotional health and their general well-being over mine. So... If they don't answer me or if they don't like my this or whatever, I try not to get offended because I used to. When people wouldn't answer me, I feel like they didn't like me, they were annoyed, blah, 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 blah. At this point, I understand that people are very busy because I have a lot of friends doing a lot of things. Um, And your value is not in 
how people respond. Yeah. But and so as long as they're good and doing well, most of the time that's what I talk about with my friends. I ask them how they're doing, how their day was. I hope you had a good day today. Da 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 da. So I try to make sure that I prioritize other people's well-being because I want them to be doing well. So if that means that they're not talking to me constantly, if that means they're not always liking my things on the group chat or whatever, that's fine with me as long as they're doing well. Exactly. Well, I think good information came out of this. Mm -hmm. This may be a topic that we readdress someday when you have the ability to really think some of the questions through a little more. Mm -hmm. And there may be other information you can do. If you want to reach out, to us via message or email melanie will post this on facebook on our facebook page and she will be the one that answers and responds to all messages and stuff if you have questions about um, divorce from a parent standpoint from a child standpoint some of the coping mechanisms we haven't talked about everything our family has done to help yeah. this process um, and maybe we'll do that someday but if you have questions about anything that has to do with this subject and how to uh, do things to help, um, you know, mend the relationships and stuff. Give us a message, shoot us a shout out, whatever, and we'll do our best to get back to you. So, mm -hmm. hey, season two is in the books and uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing you in season three. Yep. Hope you have a happy holiday. And a and great new year. Great new years. And we'll talk to you soon. See you in 2022. Bye.